You can't shake hands with a closed fist. That was Indira Gandhi. And there are so many closed fists between groups of people in any organization. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. You know that thrill you feel when you discover a new angle or a new way of looking at the world that causes you to see things a bit differently? I remember getting it when I first learned Myers-Briggs and saw how and why other people were different from me in the way that they thought. I remember getting it the first time I went on a silent meditation retreat and experienced that everything that was going on inside of my head was just a story, that there was no absolute truth. And I got it when I started experimenting with how the interplay between roles in an organization impacted trust and culture. And then I read the work of my Australian friend Siobhan McHale, whose book, The Insider's Guide to Culture Change, has just come out and I know is going to be a bestseller. Yes, roles. That's the topic of this week's podcast in the Trust series. So what role do you play in your organization or the ecosystem of which you're a part? Are you a close-to-the-customer line person whose role it is to deliver what the customers want and provide them with great service? Or are you a global brand product marketing type person who designs strategies that gets implemented by the line? Or maybe a support function like HR or finance or legal who are enabling the line and policing them? Or are you a consultant who comes in and out of this ecosystem, adding value on request? What I've found is that there is a dynamic that plays out between each of those roles, patterns of behaviors and beliefs about each other, which lead to both mistrust and later on get exacerbated by that mistrust and actually become a foundation of the culture. Now, I know that I like to think of myself as a person and only very occasionally will I think of myself as a role. It all feels a bit kind of impersonal. But what I've come to realize is that my thinking of myself more as a role that I'm playing actually is shedding new light. It gives a different lens to see things through and there's actually less in ego involved. So it's easier to have honest conversation with others because they have less ego involved as well. Those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast may recall that once before I talked about my first experience of seeing a musical improvisation group who came to do a performance at a client's conference. And I was amazed when they debriefed afterwards how clear they were about this concept of who plays what role. Because what they said is that in any one moment, one person steps forward and takes the role of leading the narrative in a new direction. So, for example, at one moment, the lead man, the lead actor, 
suddenly announced that his wife had committed a murder and was now in prison or about to go to prison. Now, the actor who was playing the wife may have had a completely different thought about where the narrative was going to go next, but she had to immediately jump into the role of follower, as she did. And two minutes later, she was singing a song about the hardships of living in a prison. So the power and the effectiveness of what they were doing lay in knowing how to play the role of the leader and play the role of the follower and to be able to support the leader's ideas in being successful rather than trying to undo them. They had complete trust in each other in that way. There was no ego. And even, and this is the important one for all of us, even if they thought that their idea that they had about where the narrative should go next was better, and even if they thought that their colleague's idea was rubbish, they followed it and made it a success. So that's the link to all of us and trust in the workplace. Because I often hear about conflicts and mistrust between functions, especially between head office and local countries, or between sales and marketing, etc., etc. You'll, you'll all know your stories. And I've started to work much more on roles and with roles, and I find it really helps trust to increase. Because what I see happen is that when there are interdependencies, and in almost every role there are dependencies on other people over whom we have no authority, we often look at what those people are doing and think, I could do that much better. They're not listening to what we need. Or even worse, they're incompetent or they're stupid. Now, not all the people all the time do that. But I bet you've had thoughts from time to time of that nature. And I know that I have. And so sometimes if we can, we'll either take the work off them or we'll ignore what they're doing and do our own thing. And this has got costs. There's duplication of effort. There's challenges with then having global brand consistency, for example, if it's about local people not doing whatever they're doing within a global framework. But underneath all, what it does is it causes the trust to break down even further, and that then impacts all sorts of other activities that those different roles might have to play. So here's my invitation to us all, and it will contain the exercise for this week. What if instead of spending time thinking and often behaving as if we knew best, even if we really do know best, factually we can prove that we know better, that we put our effort into making the decision and the activities that were put in place by the person whose job and role it is to do that task the most successful that it can be? What if we behave like the improvisation actors did and we drop our own ideas and pick up those that were given to us and make them even better than they were before through our skills of excellent execution? Because roles are designed and put in place because any complex entity needs a structure and roles to function. We all know that theoretically. And when we trust in those roles and build trust 
by both doing our role as well as we can, as well as helping the others to be as successful as they can be at theirs, then trust builds across the entity and the outcome is much better. And the key I've found is to forget about whether you have a better solution. Because if you were playing that other role, the one that your colleagues are playing, say you were in a global role, for example, where right now you're in a local role, then you would probably make different decisions to the ones that they're doing. You probably would do things differently. But you're not. You're in your role. And your job is to do your role great and to support everyone else to succeed in their role. Not to prove that you're better. So imagine your organization if everyone operated by that premise that if everyone believed that that, in fact, was the best way to work. Do you see how, no matter how competent any individual is, if everyone trusts the role and supports the role to be successful, the outcome is going to be way better than trying to prove that I'm better and I have a better solution and causing trust to break down. It's so simple, but maybe you can see now why I got so excited when I really started to explore this idea, because it was new to me. I had always thought that everything was about the individual and their behaviors and the way they operated. And then I started to realize that the role had a really important piece to how the whole culture tied together and where trust was formed. So here's the exercise. It's a big one but it will build trust across any organization that you're a part of. So four steps. Number one, clarify what your role and accountability is and that of other people. A number of organizations, I know that actually is not being done. Whether it's not being done because no one's tried to think it through or whether it's not being done because nobody really wants to hear what the roles are and so they don't really listen. But you have to go through a process where people really do get, okay, this is my role and this is yours. Second piece, trust those in those roles to do their job and don't try and do it for them. Don't build another department to give yourself your own HR capability if in fact there is a capability globally who has the role of providing certain services. Help that role be successful. Third, hold as your guiding principle that you will take everything that you are given and make it even better through your implementation. Help others to succeed. And fourth, if you do have concerns about the capability of others to do their role, and I'm, I don't want to be crazily optimistic now, of course there are going to be people in roles who are incompetent, then raise this separately through your boss, through whatever channel is the way you want to raise it. Don't use it as a reason to sabotage their work further. Does that make sense? So yes, raise things if you think there's incompetence, but don't use it to sabotage their work in the, in the current moment. So this exercise is a big one, but oh boy, will it build a culture of trust in your company. Could take you months to work on this one, but get started next week on one or two of those four steps. Clarify the role, trust those who do it to do their job. 
take everything you do and make it better. And if you have concerns, raise them separately. So in this and the last two episodes, I've been exploring what it means to trust others. Next week, I want to explore what it takes to be trustworthy oneself. So do join me then in this ongoing exploration of trust and the role it has in making workplaces better, helping you to be a better person and building great cultures and great outcomes. Until next week, thank you and goodbye.